No, that was 2021. That was when I went to Houston. I was at that game when they won the World Series. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They won. There was, was a guy, Game six in Houston? Uh, game six in Houston. There was a guy sitting behind us. He's probably 50, maybe 55. And... Like every inning, he's like, oh, I've been praying for this for years. <laughs> I didn't know you went to Houston. Yeah, me, Dale, and Hicks went. But the guys cool. sitting behind us, they won, and, and we'd turn around. He's crazy. He's got tears coming down his face. He's crying. Childhood I don't know, but it, it was like all it because there was a lot of Braves fans in Houston. I'm sure. And yeah, they're all just, like yeah. everyone like, around us were all high fiving yeah. and everything. I mean, we were behind, we were high up, but we were behind home plate. Somewhere like high up. That's cool to see that live though. That World it was Series really, win. It was really cool, and yeah. that ballpark is cool too. Well, let's let's get this thing cranking. All right, guys, back in the juice box here in Atlanta, Georgia. Athletic podcast, another episode with our strength and performance coach Shannon Von White. I said it right this time. Do not call him Coach Van Wick. Yeah, that's incorrect. He will he'll he'll pull the old school teacher like ruler on the hand to you if you do that. Yeah, no, that's my father. I wouldn't do that. He yeah. always embarrassed me as a kid. <laughs> it's Van Wyck. You'd be like telling the butcher behind the counter. Right. It's Van you're, Wyck. And you're like, like, he doesn't care. He, yeah, he, he does not care. So is that a butchered thing? Is that a butchered name only in America or where you're from? Uh too? no, growing up. Everywhere, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a spelling, man. It's W Y C K. Yeah. So I don't know why people say Wick. Just yeah. the Y in there, I guess. Oh, so. It's like, you know, I guess John Wick is I-C-K. Yeah. yeah. Not Y-C-K. I don't know. People just make up their own stuff. My dad's Dutch. He's, He's Dutch. born in Holland. Okay. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. See, every time we every time we do a take, we're learning new stuff. Right. <laughs> so, all right. So, talking about being from different places and everything else, give give everybody a heads. I mean, if the people here in our building know where you're from mm-hmm. now after hearing your accent and you telling them, but kind of kind of give everybody the background of how you made it over to the the great United States <laughs> US of America. America, yeah. Well, I was born and raised in Australia. Um, you know, grew up, grew up playing the typical Australian sports. Played soccer when I was younger. Got into cricket. Got into rugby. You know, wasn't necessarily interested in any of that. And found baseball around fourteen, and it just clicked, man. I just loved the game. Um, I loved how people could like just dedicate their lives to knowing it or coaching it or playing it. And I always had a knack for throwing things. And in cricket, you don't get to throw as much. They bowl yeah. with a straight arm over the top. And that's just kind of funky to me. So yeah. I wanted to throw shit. Okay. So baseball was very appealing. So America's pastime for <laughs> you was discovered mm-hmm. in your home, your homeland, the land down, down under. under. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how because it's, very, very small sport. I just had a couple of mates at the time who played it for some reason. Um, and, yeah, just picked it up. It's like rec ball over yeah. there. Played yeah. rec ball for a couple of years. Just one game a week. And I guess they had adult leagues too. So okay. that's where I was inf- influenced, uh, like playing an 18 and over at like 16 as a left-handed pitcher. Okay, which yeah. A few and far between. Yeah. And they, and they allowed you to do that? They didn't? Or they just kind of pretended you were eighteen because they yeah I don't know I was left too strict I think they just called it a men's league but okay. you know if you, you just wanted to get enough players right you know this is Australia <laughs> right right yeah. no that's that's cool man well you know for you guys that don't know you know Shannon is running our strength program here now you've been with us what three three, three months four months three yeah, months three months going into the fourth three month months now. so yep. um you know he's kind of getting in the swing of things here in this facility mm-hmm. um but we got a lot of stuff to to tell you guys a lot of a lot of backstory a lot of background on on where he's come from and some of the wisdom he has from some of the people he's learned from mm-hmm. um, but we're super excited to have this guy uh, helping our athletes athletically just getting stronger getting in better shape getting faster um just working on becoming better athletes you know so before we dive into all that stuff why don't you give them a little bit more background on like you said you, you started playing baseball mm-hmm. 14 mm-hmm. so you're you're in high you're getting ready for high school like right. what did that look like now because it's not like it is now guys with travel ball and all this development no stuff. not at all and it's not even structured like it is over here you know uh um, there is no so-called high school sports, so to speak. You know, the school and the sports aren't uh, mixed. Usually you kind of have a club that you play with outside of school. So, you know, I was 
totally different to being in school or outside of school. Uh, right around 16, I had a coach, a Canadian guy who had played minor league over here and went to uh, Cornell University. Smart guy, obviously. Uh, he was running the, the state um, academy program through the Australian Institute of Sport. And that's a, it's a government funded program where, you know, major sports in Australia, you know, they come and work you out and make you the best at it. Yeah. 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 So for about two years, I just trained really, you know, we didn't play a lot of games. Um, and was that, the game. was that like a lot of, you know, skilled training or was it a combination yeah. of skilled training, strength training kind of stuff? A little bit of both. I say a lot of skilled training, you know, out on the field two, three days a week. And depending on the season, yeah, definitely in the weight room, two to four days a week. That was definitely an, an extra component that came with it. I remember getting up at 6 a.m. weight training. 6 a.m., guys, <laughs> as a 16-year-old doing weights before school because that was the only time I was available for the baseball team. Um, but, yeah, I learned a lot from this uh, coach, Trevor Shum. Uh, he taught me a lot about the game and prepared me to uh, get a college scholarship to come over here. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's hard enough for guys here with everything we have, you know, like the developmental stuff, the mm -hmm. facilities, the travel ball, in addition to high school ball, to get picked up and play in college. How in the hell <laughs> did you get discovered, found out about, like, like how did they find you? Were, was there active recruiters in Australia working on that stuff for you guys? Uh, yes, I'm sure there are far and few between, but there was this one guy who started working with me and my family, I guess when I got, got to the right age. And somehow through Coach Shum, he had connections over here still. I think he was uh, some kind of international scout with the Padres too. So he had some kind of connection and scouting abilities. Yeah. You know, knew good players when he saw them and how to develop them. So I just remember starting to get phone calls in the middle of the night because they didn't know what time it was in Australia. Like two o'clock in the morning, just getting the call from some America. Hey, this is Coach Davis. How's it going? And uh, hey, you know, <laughs> and got a lot of calls from Midwest areas. Um, I don't know why, but yeah, junior colleges in the Midwest, a couple of four-year schools, bigger schools I'd never heard of before. And it was really, uh, for me, it was finding the best scholarship offer. Yeah, um, I didn't really know about location. I only knew about America through the movies, and my best scholarship came from a, a JUCO called Indian Hills Community College, which is located in Centerville, Iowa. Okay. In the uh, center of the country. In somewhere. the center of the country, Midwest, <laughs> Plains, real flat ground, yeah. nothing but cornfields and soybeans, man. Yeah. It was yeah. a bit of a culture shock. Yeah. No, I, I can imagine. I mean, you know, where you came from in mm -hmm. Australia. City, we, yeah, I'm from the city. I ain't from the – That's what I was going to ask. the damn outback or anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So city guy going to the country mm -hmm. in – you know, again, you speak English, right? But yes. the culture and the way way people talk to each other, the way people interact, I'm mm -hmm. sure that was really different. Yeah, it was different. It's just when, yeah, when I first started opening my mouth, people are like, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Especially when I had a lot thicker accent, Yeah, you know, 20 years ago when I first came over. So I could hide being, a, I guess, a white guy in a white predominant state. Because actually the junior college I was at, Indian Hills, uh, it was very international hub for baseball. Uh, a lot of Hispanic players, Puerto Rican, Dominican, um, Venezuelan. Uh, we had guys from Guam. We had guys from Japan. We had guys from Canada. had guys from Australia. Um, our starting varsity team my freshman year had zero Americans. Wow. It was all international players, such as myself. That's crazy. So, yeah, they just brought in all these people, like 60 guys, and, yeah, they just picked the, the best crop from them. And Who'd you room with? You go. Uh, a guy from Iowa, actually. He was um, – One of the locals. He was a local. He <laughs> – uh, I remember this kid. Corey Peck was his name. And he had a – I forget which high school he went to, but it was in Iowa. And he had a record to where he, he did something like – he hit five or six home runs in consecutive at-bats. Wow. So that was his big thing. That's how he got noticed. And I first turned up there with my coach, and they just threw him in a room with him. Said, "Hey, here's your roommate. Okay, here you go." And yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. So you so you learned the the Iowa culture, <laughs> you, right? Yeah, you, going out to the cornfields to drink beer. Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah, the culture yeah, yeah, for Iowa yeah. right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And I guess like where you guys were at, that's probably about all there was to do, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So school was very small. All it was was baseball, uh, nothing else. Uh, and yeah, that was it. It was very small town, nothing doing. So yeah, you'd go out in the cornfields and have your party. So you had culture shock like mm-hmm. from coming from Australia to, to Iowa. I mean, it would have been bad enough if you went to LA or Florida or here even, Atlanta. Right. But you went to Iowa. Okay, so like you had that just general culture shock. Mm-hmm. What was the baseball shock like? I mean, you know, you take Australian baseball, you talked about how it's not super competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you went to a JUCO that sounds like it was in a pretty, pretty competitive, competitive. Yeah. So like, what was that like? Juco. You know, was there a lot of catch up uh, to be played? Looking back on it now, I'd say I was quite green coming over as a freshman pitcher. Yeah. You know, I only had four years of experience of baseball under my belt. You know, most kids growing up here, they've got that by 10, you know? So yeah, I'd say I was very green. Maybe didn't know um, the whole game, maybe from a manager's point of view, but I knew pitching. I guess that's what I groomed to be. And I didn't realize it at the time, but yes, my coach made me a PO when I was like 16 or 17 already. Right. Cause like, you know what? Let's, let's just focus on something. Cause you're probably not going to be a hitter in college anyway. He knew. Yeah. And you know, I was bummed at the time and I was like, oh, okay, okay, coach. So I, you know, the baseball side is what kept me going. You know, anything new to learn or practice, you know, I'm the kid at the front of the line, stretching, ready to go yeah. every day at practice set. Cause that was my passion, man. I mean, that's what's, Still a passion today. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't necessarily the ball. I mean, I love the ball, competing, of course. But, uh, yeah, definitely the people and the weather. Yeah. I remember I balled out my ass off that first uh, fall season. You know, we had a pretty good fall season. You know, it was great. It was probably one of the top pitchers. Uh, but that first winter was yeah. the longest winter I'd ever experienced in my life. And, yeah, it got to me. And, yeah, I lost my routine, lost working out. You know, I still did okay, but looking back on it now, yeah, it definitely messed with me. Yeah, I, I remember that, you know, when I was a freshman, I went up to Ohio to play from mm-hmm. Florida. Mm-hmm. And I remember that fall being super hot. Okay. It was hot. Like, yeah. we got up there, and I was like, man, I feel like I'm in Florida. And I had a great fall. And I remember the same thing. When we got to the spring, and we came back to school in January, and we're practicing inside, and the few yeah. times we could get out oh, on the turf, and it's yeah. freezing. I struggled the first few weeks, like mm-hmm. just like, man, I'm not, I can't handle this cold. Like I'm right. not used to this. So mm-hmm. I, I can relate to that, yeah. man. And anybody that's starting college baseball, you know, in any type of, of cold climate, I mean, the first month is rough. Mm-hmm. Just the weather is, is uncertain. The weather can be brutal. Right. Now, yeah. I remember the big indoor facility that we had and yeah, all winter long, just indoor workers. I guess I'd never worked out like that before, yeah. so it was almost so you shock guys, and depressing at the same time. Right. So. So, you, so you guys had your practices inside then, right? Yeah, through the yeah, brutal we, winters we the same Iowa. Thing. Yeah, they had like a like an indoor facility, like yeah. you know, a little bit bigger than a basketball court. And rubber had, floor, like rubber. It, they, that was floors. their special thing they had just installed. Yeah. It was the multi-sport court. Yeah, yeah the, that's uh, what the we squares that snap together or okay, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, man, we did everything from long toss to yeah. infield to whatever Team defense. In there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I remember doing so, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So you guys that that grow up playing in the south and don't have to deal with this, you've got it lucky because it, yeah. it's um you know you play up north or you play mm-hmm. where it's cold. Yeah, you know practicing indoors is not easy, yeah. especially when you're trying to get live at bats towards you know closer Correct, towards the season. Yeah. It's Back in fun. Australia, those years, you know, even in the winter time, we were out on the field practicing. Even yeah. it was cold, but it wasn't like freezing and snowing. But yeah, we could still get out on the field and do stuff. So, right. Yeah. I guess our our guys are a little bit spoiled, I guess, because like we got this, we, mm-hmm. we got turf and cages, yeah, great and stuff. so they're kind of used to doing that. But it's not the same, man. When you're trying to have an on field team practice right. inside, it's a little it's bit not different. The same. Yeah, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? You know, you you came here and you're playing, you know, JUCO ball. Yep. Um, you know, were you now getting into the strength training side of things a little bit more um, now that you were in Juco? I always ball? enjoyed the physical aspect, but I'd say my knowledge level was still no, yeah. nothing. I was just working out what I need to. I'd say I'd had a pretty good workout ethic. Like I didn't just work out with the team. I went and did stuff on my own, but I'd say my knowledge was so low, you know, uh, at Juco I was just given a stapled packet. And we had a pretty small weight room and say, have at it, you yeah. know. And, uh, you know, I did okay. Um, but, yeah, definitely, as I said before, through that first winter, definitely lost 
side of all that and uh, lost my workouts through the winter a lot. And yeah, it affected me in the spring. Yeah. Um, so yeah, working out, um, not totally in love with it. Like I say, I, was, I wasn't even doing real squats then, you know, I was just always maybe just using a leg press and doing some lightweight shoulder lifts or something, you yeah. know, and that was it. He sent you with a packet and said, Hey, just kind of do this. Yeah. So there was no, it's real, all listed right here. Do it. No real facilitated. No, no, nothing regimented except for everything that was just written down. And, yeah. you know, yeah, when you're 18, 19, 20 year old kid, uh, sometimes that's hard to focus on. Yeah. And not to, not to date you too much, but what, <laughs> what, what time frame are we talking? This is early 2000? Uh, 2000. Yeah. August okay. 2000 is when I first came over yeah. to the States. So my first, um, season was, uh, 2001 spring was when I played. Right. So, so you guys have to understand like, you know, for kids watching or for parents that didn't really pay attention to baseball back then, um, strength training was not really a thing in the sport yet. It was just starting to become a thing in the sport in the late nineties and early two thousands. And that was really the, the higher level players, right? That was, right? that was your professionals that were starting to get into it. And, you know, obviously you had the, the steroid era that was kind of going, that was going through that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was it like that all the way through college for you? Or did that, did you kind of start seeing that change a little bit as strength training started to become more of a baseball thing? What did that look like? Um, no, I, I mean, I always worked out, but like I said, I wasn't really getting into it yeah. until I finished college. Yeah. Actually. Um, I was just focused on wanting to play baseball. You know, I was blinded by that, by the, yeah. the love of the game. Um, whether I was good, bad or indifferent or whatever, I just, Love that I was having the experience of college baseball and I was away from home. So, no, I hadn't found my love for strength training yet. Yeah. Well, you know, that's – I can say the same for me. Like, I, I started enjoying it probably in between my senior year and freshman year of college, senior mm-hmm. year of high school, freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. But to your point, like, didn't really, really put all the eggs in that basket until, hey, you're done playing now. You know, <laughs> right, and yeah, that, that's kind of, that was kind of my boot in the ass to, to yep. say, hey, I, I kind of want to – kind of want to do this thing, yeah you know so really was just working off that raw talent man yeah you know <laughs> I mean? uh, so speaking of raw t- raw talent like how was your freshman year like did you perform well once the once the weather let up a little bit <laughs> yeah i did okay i had high, high expectations like i said i was touted as one of the st- top starters that freshman year like i said i had a killer fall i felt like i was throwing hard we didn't have any radar guns or anything but i felt like i was throwing Felt like I was throwing upper 80s at that time, you know, yeah. and that's what everyone was telling. Oh, you throw gas and everything. Um, like I said, I, I wouldn't say it was a great freshman season. It was okay, but not what I wanted, of course. Um, and I can attribute it to not being physically prepared enough. Mm-hmm. All right, I just wanted to go out there and pitch, which I did. And yeah, sometimes it was good, sometimes it wasn't good. All right. Yeah. So. so- Okay, so you were a starter then. Yeah. So you yes. you, you were slated as a starter. You mm-hmm. started the whole season. Yep. Um, did you go back the next year? Did you play a second year? Yep. At that played same sophomore school? year there as well. Okay. Uh, my freshman year, we were. Uh, was it my freshman or sophomore year? One of the years we went to like regionals and yeah. was like one game away from the JUCO World Series. Uh, maybe that was my sophomore year. So yeah, I'd say pretty good, but. You know, not as good as I wanted. You know, I thought I was going to go there and then just go on to some big Division One school like yeah. Texas or Miami or some team I'd seen play in the College World Series. Yeah. And that was my delusion. Okay. Um, so you guys went to a regional, though, while yeah. you were there. So yeah. you had some success. So you guys yes. just had yeah. a good yeah, team. Yeah, we were a decent team. We were yeah. a great um, squad. Like I said, very competitive, Division One Juco. Um, yeah, I got to play some good ball. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And that was a – you said that was a D1 Juco? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so – did you guys do those like preseason go south jamboree type thing? Like I remember when we lived in Daytona when I was mm-hmm. in high school, every year there were teams from the north that would come down right. and do like a college jamboree. Did you Thanks guys for reminding me. Yes. Uh, the Like I said, they brought in like 60 players each year and actually made a varsity and a junior varsity. And the um, – the perk for making varsity was you got to go on this Arizona trip yeah. at the beginning of the year, Mar- or spring training time. So I guess it was in March. Because yeah. I think the hitting coach at the time, Matthews, I think his last name was, had some some kind of connection with the Colorado Rockies. His dad, sorry. Okay. His dad was some kind of scout or something in the Colorado Rockies. So we had some kind of small connection there. So we would travel out there and play on their spring training facility fields 
yeah, and play some games in the March to, in March, and that was uh, oh, that's cool. That was your uh, goal for uh, sorry, your perk for making varsity. Okay, go out there for a week. Yep, and that yeah. was real cool. No, that is cool. I do man. remember, and I did that both years. Yeah, well, you know, like we've had we've had guys that that have the JUCO stuff under their belt too. I mean, Greg, you know, our our pitching guy. Um, Greg, obviously he played at Shelton state and he's got Juco experience and they were, they were very successful when he was there too, you know, and, and a lot of times now, like what you'll see is guys that play on these successful Juco teams, mm-hmm. they're getting recruited. Like, like it's almost like your recruiting process never stopped from right. high school. Was it mm-hmm. like that when you were playing? Like, were you getting recruited? Not so much. I wouldn't say that. I still remember my sophomore year doing this on my own. I typed up something and printed it off. You know, I'm Shannon Van Wyck. I threw this. I have a curveball that drops from the heavens, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't know if I got a VH, VHC tape. tape made. I can't remember. I think because I had big envelope. I don't even know how I got that tape made. Yeah. And I got stamps and I sent it off to like 10 colleges that I thought wanted me like a Texas or a Miami yeah. or a USC or whatever. And hear shit back. No, no, no yeah. nothing. Right. And coaches there, they didn't, they didn't care too much. They cared about their own business, and that was it. Okay. Um, so no, uh, didn't have any interest really. I, a couple of schools in Iowa, which I wasn't really hot about. I didn't like the environment there or the the the, the weather and whatnot. So uh, I had a buddy on the team who lived in Georgia. His name was Steve Cogswell, and he said he's coming down. He was coming back home to play summer ball. Woodbat Summer Ball League. And so I, at that point, was not going home to Australia. I, was, I did not want to go back, a failure. I was like, I'm going to continue playing baseball somehow. So I came down to Atlanta and played in the Stan Musial Woodbat League and uh, stayed at this old guy's house who owned the team. His name was Derwood Davis. And uh, he let us stay at his house all summer long, buy your food and everything. And yeah, as long as you went out and played on his team, I guess mainly on the weekends then. Um, and playing in that summer league, I had a coach from Kennesaw who saw me and some of the players on the team played at Kennesaw and they were like, yeah, you should come play. Um, but they didn't have any scholarships available. So uh, that old guy, Derwood Davis, had a connection with uh, Valdosta State coach somehow. Okay. And I remember talking to Valdosta State coach, and he was offering me, and I think I signed like letter of intent or whatever, and was within a couple of days of going down there. And Kennesaw called up and said they had a scholarship available, and I was like, yes, because I'd made some friends from yeah. the summer ball team, and that's why I really did want to go. It right. looked appealing to me. It was a great Division two school, kind of just a good fit for me, and they were good in Division two. So uh, yeah, uh, that's how I got into Kennesaw. That's cool, man. So in Kennesaw, were they D1 then? Or? No, that was right before then. That was okay. D2. And okay. they, they had just won a couple of D2 World Series in the mid-90s, I believe. Yeah. And I was there 03, 04 seasons. So that was still riding high off some of that. And my junior year, we were preseason ranked number one. And we made it all the way to the College World Series in Montgomery, Alabama. And... Uh, finished tied for third. We lost the eventual champions in the semifinal match, which was Tampa. Tampa. Tampa uh, sorry. University, University of Tampa. Tampa. Sorry. Yeah, they're, they're still a, a D2 powerhouse. Okay. And they're, yeah. they're ranked every year. I mean, they're, they, yep. got, they got studs. And I don't know if you guys have seen on, uh, like, if you go on YouTube, they've got some, like, tours of their campus. Oh, yeah. And, like, their facilities mm. are state-of-the-art. Like Greg, have you seen seen those some of those? I'll have to I'll have to send this stuff to you guys because it's like this looks like it's University of Miami. This yeah. looks like it. Yeah, it looks like it's Texas. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. So not to not to interrupt, but no, no, no that's no, that's man. awesome. That's why weather sustains such a good program for so long, right? Yeah. good facilities and good coaches. Well. And and you like when you were at Kennesaw, did you? You got to pitch. Did you start? Were you out of the bullpen? Like I was, like? Uh, I was more so the weekend bullpen guy. Again, there wasn't a lot of lefties. Uh, I think my sophomore year there was only like two, and I think my senior year I was the only one. Mm-hmm. So both years I was definitely one of the first lefties out of the bullpens on the weekend series and a midweek starter. Oh. I 
I uh, had a great record pitching on Kennesaw's mound. Um, I always pitched like a home game, midweek game, started there. And yeah, I was like undefeated, I think, in my two years that I pitched there at That's home. Awesome. So I love their mound. But, yeah. Do they still play at the same – is it the same field? I think it is. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. They still okay. play at the same one. Obviously, they've gone Division One now. Uh, it's cool seeing them out there compete on that level. But yeah, I think you know that school's just gotten so big, and facilities are just upgraded so much that yeah, they're on a different level from yeah. when I was there. That's for sure. Yeah, we've we've had a couple guys that have that have gone there, and it's competitive, man. It's yeah. it's a it's a tough school to play at. They compete. They I think they were in a regional, um, super regional a couple of years super ago, regional, right? Yeah. yeah, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely competitive. What was um yeah. you know so back to the strength training thing? You, yes. you went to Kennesaw. Yes. Did you see the training change? Did the, were the facilities any better? Uh, like, to be like? honest, not too much. Uh, again, because it was D two at the time, they didn't have a very big weight room. So uh, our perk there at Kennesaw was we got free memberships to Gold's Gym, but it was very similar to junior college. It was here's your strength packet. You've got your facility. Go at it. There was no yeah. like strength coach or anything overseeing it. Yeah. Um, so again, no, I don't feel like it utilized my strength fully. At all. Still using the leg press and the uh, rear delt fly machine. Yeah. 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 Now, I'm sure, you know, we'll get into how that kind of migrated to what you did after college. But, what, like, yeah. what did you major in in college? Did it have anything to do with what you're doing now? Yes. So, always had interest in I guess, sports, baseball. That's kind of what I followed my heart with. But, yes, when I got to Kennesaw my junior year, I had to select a major um so i was just like what can i do in sports and i didn't see myself being in sports management or anything so i did exercise science okay i thought yeah maybe one day i'll lead to being a a coach of some sort yeah so so yeah so i graduated kennesaw with my exercise science degree and that's when i started getting into Uh the strength training and sports performance training when i started having to work with other athletes not just worry about myself so my senior year at college um, you know, to get my degree, I had to do an internship and I did it at Velocity Sports Performance. And I did that like all summer, three months or whatnot. And they hired me straight out of the gate yeah. after that at what used to be the, uh, national location in Roswell, Georgia, where, uh, track coach Lauren Seagrave developed this whole program that was, uh, backed a lot by track sprint training. So I learned a lot about speed and speed mechanics yeah. Um, working there for a couple of years. Oh, that's awesome. So that, mm-hmm. that was, that was like your first, like right out of school. Yeah. Hey, you're, you're the only job, but job in strength performance, sports performance and whatnot. And what was cool about there is they worked with wide range athletes, you know, had different age groups from, uh, like eight all the way through 18. Yeah. And then because this was such a big facility, they did a lot of like uh, college prep work through the summer and NFL combine training. They oh, were awesome. doing a lot of that um, the first couple of summers I was there. So it was really cool to see that training on all different levels. And obviously, the higher level training is what kind of piques your interest and in what yeah. those professional athletes can do. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Were you like when you started doing that, like when they hired you after your internship? Did you kind of have to earn your stripes and, and work your way in? Or did they kind of give you some people to start training right away? Like mentorship? Like what did that look like? I'm sure you were working right. with other coaches who had a lot yeah, of Yeah, you know, I was low coach on the totem pole. Uh, you get stuck with the uh, the young group. Yeah. Usually to begin with, the 8 to 11s I think was the age group there. So you start with them, you know, teaching the ladders and the agility hurdles and whatnot and basic speed mechanics. And, you know, yeah, as they got more confidence in you, you train high level guys, middle school, high school, and yeah, help out in the summer with those, uh, combine guys, you know, I got a pretty good, uh, wide range of training. And I think my second year there actually did another internship. I was, uh, brought up to Flowery Branch and went with the, uh, Atlanta Falcons. I did a whole off season uh strength training in their weight room that's cool back in that was 2005 or six i believe six i think and uh that was when like mike vick and uh, patrick kearney uh were all there and uh seeing training on that kind of level i say the coach there was very uh uh power lifting west side barbell backed yep 
learn a lot about bands and chains and whatnot yeah. with professionals and uh, that really opened my eyes to what serious performance training should look like. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so after spending a couple of years, I think two or three years at Velocity, I worked my way up. They actually made me a sports performance director of a Marietta location, had a couple of coaches under me. Um, and then I think they got a little too big for their bridges in general and they started shutting locations down. Gotcha. And went to work at another professional organization called High Intensity Training Centers or HIT Centers. And their whole thing was working with high intensity interval training, whether you're an athlete or an adult trying to lose weight. Um, yes, they would uh, want to drive that heart rate up with high intense work, give you a little rest, and then just repeat and do a lot of interval training. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of my meat and potatoes training about three or four years after college before I opened my own business. Okay. Okay. So after I worked with those organizations for a few years and actually seeing another one shut down, I was like, what are these people doing? How yeah. are they shutting down after a couple of years of business or whatever? So I uh, opened up a you know, 2,000 square foot training facility in Kennesaw. It's called Complex Fitness and Performance. I prided myself on knowing lots of different training styles. So that's where the word complex came from. Yeah. And yeah, I ran that for seven years with trainers. And uh, that not only made me train athletes in uh, like a wide variety of age, but a wide variety of sports. I did all kinds of sports and that led into all kinds of parents and personal training to come in. So uh, I really worked a wide scope when I ran my business there because yeah. I just wanted to work with people. How long did you run that that comp complex for? Seven years. Yeah. That was from like 2008 okay. to 2015. Okay. And I was ending the lease that year and uh, starting a family. I wasn't sure if I still wanted to continue all that. So, yeah, 2015. And then I kind of took some clients that I had at the time and just ran real private uh, my own business, whether at my sure. own house or their houses or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. Um, been training ever since I got out of college, man. Yeah. And that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. So. Well, you know, you, you go through, once you find something that you like, mm -hmm. like obviously for us, that was baseball at a young age, right? right. Mm -hmm. And then you get to a certain age. I mean, for me, this is when I was in college. Like you start to realize, okay, like baseball is going to end. Like it, it's going to come to an end at some point. Like I was pretty sure that I wasn't going to be a big leaguer. I don't know what you're talking about. I still haven't, I still haven't found the end. <laughs> what are you still, talking about? I'm still trying to get drafted. Aspirations to get I'm getting drafted. drafted this year. What are you talking about? But um, but no, in all honesty, guys, like like you you know at some point, whether you're 18 or whether you're 48, yep. it's going to end someday. And like I'm so thankful that at the age of 20, 21, 22, that I started getting into the strength training. Mm -hmm. You know, because once I was done playing, then it was like, cool, like I want to look at – powerlifting i want to look at bodybuilding mm -hmm. i want to look at the way these guys train i want to look at functional yeah. training and you start to learn all these different methods and to your point mm -hmm. you almost kind of come up with your own little system in your head like this is how i believe in training <coughs> and i i think that's like i think that's super important for yes. for anybody that's doing this on a strength training level if you're training athletes you have to have gone through those experiences right totally agree i think uh, you know, at some point over the years, I feel like it's come full circle, you know, in the beginning it's, you know, training, you know, you can only train what you know, all yes. right. And if you have a small field of knowledge when you begin, which most people do, um, you know, you see narrow lenses, I guess. Right. And I, I think I've told you this story before, Dave, you know, my first couple of years of training, uh, I guess after I was training with the Falcons, learn about powerlifting and wow, these are the strongest athletes in the world. If I want to make my athletes strong, I should be doing powerlifting mm -hmm. techniques. And that's how I did a lot of stuff for a few years until, yeah, it didn't work anymore because maybe that 45-year-old shouldn't be doing, you know, heavy box squatting necessarily. Um, so, yeah, you live, you learn, and you keep um, adding that knowledge to your toolbox and yes, what you come to find out is it's not so much maybe the best thing that you know that you can give to somebody. It's really what the person in front of you is needing or lacking that you can feel for them. Yeah. And that's what I've learned uh, all these years of training is just like, 
looking at the athlete, person, client in front of me, seeing what they're void of, whether it be mobility or strength in a certain area, shoulder problems, knee problems, rotator cuff, just strengthen uh, certain areas for young athletes. Uh, it's really just trying to give them what they need. I don't think this could be any more true, and maybe I'm biased. I don't think this could be any more true for any other athlete in any other sport than it is for baseball players. Yes. Like, just the 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 wear and tear of the season, you know, mm-hmm. like you talk about big leaguers, man, they're playing 162 games in mm-hmm. 181 days or something right. like that. Um, no other sport does that. Right. No other sport has demands like that. And, you know, people throw things out there like, oh, you stand in the field half the time, you don't <laughs> do nothing. Well, right. that wears on you too, right. you know, and, and this sport, I feel like there's a, there's a big thing plastered over everything that says it depends when it comes to, Hey, how should you train as a baseball player? It mm-hmm. depends. Hey, should yes. I do this if my shoulder hurts? It depends. Hey, mm-hmm. should I do this if I want to get a stronger arm? It depends. Like it depends on that athlete sitting in front of you and what they right. need and what they're deficient in and what they've done and what their history of the past six months, 12 months, three years, five years is, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I can't stress that enough to not only the players that are listening to this, but coaches too. Like right. When you think you've got it all figured out, you're going to get a case that you've never seen before. And it's like, okay, I got to, I got to figure this one out. I got to, right, we got to do right. something different here. Cause that's not going to work. And I think that's important. Yeah. See it all the time. And you know, back in the day, whether it was an athlete or an adult, you know, ah, man, I got this lower back pain. I don't know what's going on. Oh, I got this twinge in my shoulder. It would either be ignore it, right? Go do the thrower's 10. Right, yeah, or just rest. <laughs> right, let's back off, let's rest now. Yeah. Well, now, throw. yeah, I've learned more that that movement is the medicine, yeah. right? So there's some kind of deficiency going on or more so some kind of compensation. And that's what I find with baseball players is just uh, differences in their side of bodies from rotating one way the whole time there. You know, their hips are out of balance, their shoulder strengths are out of balance, and something starts compensating and throws the, the whole system out of whack. Yeah, and I, I think what you're diving into now is a good segue because I wanted to talk about this with you mm-hmm. on this show today anyway. You know, you're, you're bringing up things that happen throughout the seat. Like you, you mentioned how we've got rotational athletes and they're, they're out of whack, right? Mm-hmm. There's compensation patterns that happen throughout the season from when they're playing. You know, when we get in the off season, like that's our number one goal. Let's mm-hmm. eliminate all that. Of Let's course. get everything back to a clean slate. Mm-hmm. Let's get you guys, you know, operating at full capacity again. Mm-hmm. Let's get you feeling good. Let's get you moving right. Let's mm-hmm. get you moving back to where you're supposed to be. And by the end of the off season, everybody's back up to full strength. And we've yes. pushed hard and we've made gains and we're faster, stronger, bigger. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the season again and it's like, okay, well, now we're back on that cycle. And now it's like, okay we got to make sure that we maintain the movement. Like you said, movement is medicine. we got to maintain moving. And You see so many guys now, season comes around, I trained hard, I'm bigger, stronger, faster, now I'm not training, I'm good. And I'm guilty of it back in the day too. It doesn't work though. Right. It doesn't work. I mean, what do you think? Well, you're not going to be as efficient um, towards the middle and end of season, that's for sure. And looking back on my playing careers and some of you guys that play long summer seasons – you're skin and bone by the end of the season if you haven't kept any, uh, you know, simple weight training going there. And I felt it, man. By the end of the season, I just feel like my arm and I feel like my bicep is just this little string string muscle <laughs> that doesn't have anything left on it, you know. And, yeah. you know, it's, you don't have to go hard and heavy as you do in the off season, but keeping some kind of resemblance of resistance training in those major muscle groups absolutely will help you stay strong and help reduce those injuries throughout the season. I wish I could go back and tell myself that. Yeah. No. Yeah. And if you got, listen, I, I hope you guys have stayed on this long. You know, we've got a ton of information for you guys. Make sure you hit the links below so we can give you more information on our strength program. We train guys remotely. We train guys here in Atlanta in the facility. Uh, Coach Shannon works with guys one-on-one virtually Mm -hmm. and in person. Yep. You know, we're here to give you guys plans if you need help. But, you know, that's just the strength side. You know, there's all these other things too. Mm -hmm. You know, like let's just take speed and and sprint work. Mm -hmm. How many guys go into seasons because they busted in the weight room? Oh, my squat's up 100 pounds. My deadlift's up 150 pounds. I'm benching more. I weigh 20 pounds more. Mm -hmm. And they didn't sprint. Mm-hmm. And now, okay, it's the second practice of the year, and 
hamstring. There goes the hamstring. <laughs> Pop, yep. there goes the calf. All the time. You know, and it's like understanding the full year of mm-hmm. training. I feel like if, if you're training athletes, you need to understand the full year. You have mm-hmm. to have a full year cycle set up. And it doesn't have to be exact. I mean, it's going to vary from middle school to high right. school to college to pro. But you need to at least understand, okay, when are the seasons? Mm-hmm. How are the transitions of the seasons? And what do athletes need during that time? You know, and one thing right. that we believe in, Shannon, you can you can dive into this too if you want to, but we believe big time in sprint volume and sprint frequency. Yes. Sprint frequency more than volume. Right. Just making sure that we're touching the mm-hmm. high intensity sprint work. Mm-hmm. You know, Ready like, for decreasing those hamstring injuries. And right? I'm we sure you learned a ton of this when mm-hmm. you were you know, gaining wisdom from some of these right. coaches that did the track and field stuff. Like, what did that look right. like? Right. Well, I'm sure I read it in some book in college, though I didn't retain it very well. <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, learning a lot of that uh, uh, sprint and track work uh, with velocity sports performance all the time. Um, their big thing was breaking down their sessions, whether it was 60 minutes for youngers or 90 minutes for high school and older guys is – they would have a dynamic warm-up that lasted about 20 to 30 minutes, moving all those body parts, uh, you know, dynamically and ballistically stretching those muscles, uh, not so much isometric stretching beforehand. You know, that's something that's kind of evolved over the last 20 years as well. Yeah. Just don't sit around in that circle jerk anymore yeah, and count right. to 10. Um, but, yes, learning the, the sprint volumes to, to keep those hamstrings healthy. But – a lot of the strength work that you do is really just taking those muscles through a range of motion too that they need, you know, and that's why, you know, you don't have to do with heavier weight in in-season training because just by main- maintaining that resistance on that muscle through that range of motion is going to keep it strong, yeah. you know. So, you know, I enjoy getting or I will employ a lot of sprint, strength, mobility, core, and you know, mainly into most sessions, depending on what the focus is. But, you know, those are the main things that you're going to get in in any training session throughout the year. Sure. You may do, you know, like I said, more volume of sprint work in the off-season, you know, and just do a little less in in in-season to kind of keep you moving. You'll get a lot of that in your games and play anyway. Um, You know, same with the weights. You're going to be probably a lot more volume and heavier during the off-season where you might be a little less volume, uh, some kind of higher degree weight as well. Like I said, just to keep your strength up. Yeah. 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 And just the, the overall programming too, you know, mm-hmm. looking at, you know, a lot of circuit training, like you said, you know, contrast training. Yes. Um, just different. Like a lot of contrast training through the season. A hundred percent. Like during the season, just, just switching up the methods a little bit mm-hmm. um, and making things a little bit more efficient. You know, athletes are already yeah. spending a lot of time on the field, a lot of time in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we want them to still be able to feel like, hey, we can get them two or three workouts in a week. Guys, it's probably not going to be much more than that during the season. Right. You know, if, you, if you're if you doing four workouts during the week yeah. in season, in season chances are one much. of them is very light. You, yeah. know, it, you know, so like two or three days is plenty. Plenty. Especially <laughs> if you guys are very efficient with how you're programming right. things. I like to know? do that in the in season, you know, make it efficient, get in, get out. You don't want to be in there for more than an hour. Right. Working out, that's just going to add to the grind. Um, but, yes, keeping some some base level uh, throughout the season just so, yeah, you're not going backwards. You're either uh, growing or losing it, so to speak. And, yeah. you know, make sure you're staying on the growing side and uh, not depleting that muscle mass. You know, something super important for – I was just thinking about this because I was thinking about myself, mm-hmm. you know. But for athletes, like, you guys are going to have things that you like to do in the weight room. And then you're going to have things that you hate doing in the weight room. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you understand what you're supposed to be doing and then go down the I hate and the I love route. Like for me personally, I used to love doing deadlifts. Mm-hmm. I used to love heavy box squatting. And I used to love pumping the crap out of my arms. <laughs> yep. None of those three, especially if you're talking a ridiculous amount of volume, are necessarily a great thing to do in season. Now – touching all three of them yes right but for me because i love to do those things i would hammer the crap out of those things and i would actually spend more time hammering those things and skipping the dynamic stretching right the mobility work yeah. just the routine movement work that was not fun but needed to be done it wasn't sexy right. 
And I think you need to, you guys need to understand what you're supposed to be doing rather than just saying, well, I went to the gym today and did all the stuff that right. was fun. It's not all about that. Like, you did the beach workout or correct. just some chest and curls or correct. something. And yeah. I think, like, especially during the season, you know, during the off season, you can do it all. Like, you have, yeah. usually you have the time on your hands to, mm-hmm. you know, do, do to put the big rocks in the bucket and right. sprinkle the sand in. And you have the time to recover is correct. the main thing, right? You correct. Have time to, yeah, really drill it hard and recover and not have to worry about a game or something coming up. Right, right. So, yeah. no, this is this is all good stuff. I mean, give these guys a few just staples. I know you've kind of – or we've touched yeah. on a few things already, but, like, just a few key staples in just strength training 101 – key programming during the season and then off season as well like things that they really need to be focusing on so i'll give you what our group is going to do tonight because tonight is their total body strength and power for in season um you know we'll get a little warm-up going we'll get some mobility we're going to be you know moving their shoulders around full range of motion get some good stretching through the scapula um Let's see what else we got on there. Uh, one of our first lifts is kind of a total body power move. We're going to get on the landmine and do a squat to press. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're hitting a major lower, you're hitting a major upper right there off the mm-hmm. bat. Now, I like the landmine because it's versatile. You know, you can load it up heavy if you want, but this doesn't necessarily have to be too heavy. I want you to be moving fast and strong. Um, and then really just hitting those those major movements, you know. After we get that, we're gonna go into a knee dominant squat, you know. Whether you're holding a kettlebell, a dumbbell, or just a barbell across your back, wanna get those quads. All right, gonna pair that up, contrast with a jump, mm-hmm. a box jump. All yeah. right, so you're gonna do a fairly good weight knee dominant squat, whether it be front squat or high barbell back squat, go right on over to a box jump. Jumping up on that box nice and fast. After that, we'll get into some kind of hinge, you know. Don't mind the deadlift. All right. Uh, RDL. We're going to do some RDLs tonight. Um, Really hit that posterior chain now. All right. Getting those hammies and those glutes. Uh, I got that paired up with. I forgot what that's paired up with. Some other contrast. Some other jump, I think. I forget. Uh, Then we get into a little upper body. We're going to do some incline benching tonight. And the younger athlete's going to keep a neutral grip. Some of them really don't have the shoulder stability to hold weights yet, I've been seeing. So it's a little bit safer to get them in that neutral position. We're going to pair that up with a med ball shot put toss. Mm-hmm. So just a quicker chest press, so to speak. Guys, we are we are pressing during the season. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Uh, and then I think some kind of row after that with some kind of slams. I'm really just trying to hit the major parts of the body, okay? I had a, a total body move. I had a move for the quads. I had a move for the posterior chain. I had a push move for the upper, and I had a pull move for the upper. And like I said, just hitting those primary moves, um, you know, moving fast like an athlete with some of those contrast moves. And, uh, yeah, get in, get out. Now, the difference between that in-season training and off-season is uh, we're going to keep the reps a little bit lower. Where maybe in the off season, if you're trying to you know gain some volume, I'd uh, start off with higher reps and a lot more volume probably in the off season and working closer to that proximity of failure, mm-hmm. right? Whether it be with the percentages or the reps, I'd be wanting them to find something that that's going to get them closer to failure to really get that strain in the muscle and you know require that adaptation for that gain. Yeah. Um, you know, off season training. Every off-season, you should be beating your big three lifts, bench, squat, deadlift. Every off-season, try to get stronger at those three big lifts. Um, You know, those are the three big ones, the kings of all lifts, something you can track uh, year after year, right? And like I said, through the in-season, you're trying to maintain somewhat of that as opposed to trying to gain on it not lose it how about that you're not trying to lose as much strength as you would if you just stop working out completely you pretty much be back at square one that next off season and you may only get as strong as you did the previous off season because you're doing the same thing right right? you've actually degressed before you started again so you're trying to maintain that through in season to some degree so you can start off on a higher level that next off season yep 
Yeah, this whole the whole progression, guys. It, it's a little bit like this. Like it's a wave. It's, it's a wave. It's, it's a not, wave. Yeah. This is not a steady incline. I mean, mm -hmm. for you guys that just start training, you yes. know, you you make your newbie gains. You you see all this success early on. And you oh, think yeah. I'm going to be the the next Ronnie Coleman or the next Jay Cutler. I'll be benching 315 by next month. Right. It's it's <laughs> not like that, guys. It's difficult. Yes. Um, you have to stay with it. The further you go, the smarter you have to be. And learn how to make those smaller progressions to keep it going. Yep. That's what you learn as you uh, get older in this game is learning how to uh, be patient. Yeah. And, yes, taking any gain that you can each time, whether rep-wise, endurance-wise, strength-wise, or anything. Yep. It's just, uh, you know, one pound better than last week is still a gain. One rep better than last week is a gain. Doesn't sound like much to some of you young guys who, you know, did 10 reps a bench at 65 this week. And then, oh, wow, I could already do 85 pounds next week for 10. Oh, man, I'm going to be doing 225 in no time. Yeah, yeah that'll slow down after a while. And, yes, you got you to you gotta learn how to do um, some kind of variety, some kind of different stimulus, or, yeah, some different way of attacking it to, uh, to keep getting those gains. Yep. Yep, that's it, man. It's this is this is a lot, guys. It's a lot of information. Um, Shannon's been doing this a long time. I feel like I've been doing this a long time, but not near as long as him. Um, you know, where can these guys reach out to you if they got questions? If they want to reach you on Instagram, what's your mm -hmm. what's your handle? Uh, it's Coach Shannon twenty one. Twenty one was my number. Um, reach out anytime here at Athletic Baseball. Um, like Dave said. We work with uh, strength training groups here and remote groups, individual, online. So, yeah, please reach out. Like everyone's got a different uh, training plan and where they're at at that training plan. So I can definitely, um, you know, take a look, talk to you, see what's up, and, you know, give you a plan for your – whether in-season training right now or, yeah, uh, training in general. Yeah, if you guys want a little bit more information um, just about how to reach us, uh, how to schedule some phone calls, learn more about the strength program, you can go to our website, www.athleticbaseball.com. The link is also below. Um, lots of stuff on our Instagram, lots of stuff on Coach Shannon's Instagram. Mm -hmm. We're usually collaborating on stuff. You yeah, can I'm trying to get us. better at it. Trying yeah, to get better it's at the so, social, social media. media, man. It's a, it's, a, yep. it's, a, it's a task for sure. Yeah. Um, but – one thing, guys, make sure you are still training during season. Mm -hmm. You know, before you know it, it's going to be April or May. High school season going to be wrapping up. College seasons wrap up the end of May. Um, you guys need to keep on going, keep progressing. All right, we're always here for questions. So without further ado, Coach Shannon and I got to go train a bunch of guys right now. Yep. So we're about to peace out Duty from calls. the juice box in Atlanta, Georgia, on the Athletic Podcast. Coach, appreciate you, man. Thanks, dude.